Yeah, my personal record book. If this makes Pittsburgh, the Steelers, the fans of the Steelers, you, uh, if it makes everyone feel better, in my own personal record book, uh, the Steelers won that game, the Patriots lost, and that means the Steelers are on track to be the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Got to give it to the Penguins. They taught the Flyers fans something last night. They learned how to count to seven. I wonder if Radko Gudis still thinks all the pressure's on the Penguins. Brian Elliott was abysmal. Dave Haxtall says he's leaning towards starting him in game two. Hashtag earn tomorrow? Claude Giroux, whose line needed to play SIDS even in order for his team to have a chance, was a minus four. Crosby? Our captain was plus five. Goss Despair's nickname's Ghost. He may as well have been one on Malkin's goal because Gino walked right through him. Sid was batting pucks out of the air. Flyers were fanning on scoring chances. Everything is right in the world, baby. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Yo, Crowley, can these uh, penguins here flip a switch? That was the most frequently asked question about this team coming into the playoffs. Last night, the Penguins said, uh, F yes. Over the last two years, we've seen pedestrian regular season players lift their games to new heights in the playoffs for the Penguins. Brian Rust has 33 goals in 181 career regular season games. He's got 14 in 47 career playoff games. Playoff Rust? was back last night. Jake Gensel has 38 goals in 122 career regular season games. He's got 14 in 26 playoff games. Playoff Gensel was back last night. Carl Hagelin has 26 goals in 179 games with the Penguins in the regular season. He's got 21 in 113 career playoff games. Playoff Hagelin was back last night. How about the goalie? Matt Murray. He's got a 9.17 save percentage in the regular season. He's got a 9.30 save percentage in the postseason. Playoff Murray was back last night. Derek Broussard averages .55 points per game in the regular season. He averages .7 points per game in the spring. Crosby and Malkin are both top 20 players all time in playoff points per game. Phil Kessel has 45 points in 50 playoff games with the Penguins. Yo, Crowley, can the Penguins flip a switch in at? Looking back on it, what a stupid question to ask. They've got a roster full of players who outperform or match their regular season statistics when the stakes are at their highest. How far will it take them? I don't know. But I sure as hell won't bet against them. The playoff Penguins were back last night. Seven goals. Seven. Seven of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I was listening to Standing Guy as I drove into the studio today. A lot of prep work we had to get done. And Guy was talking about how he didn't know why people were saying the Penguins should be that big of a favorite over Philadelphia. Because he said Philadelphia finished just two points behind the Penguins in the standings. I think if the Penguins play like they did last night, they could beat anybody. But Philadelphia is not a good hockey club. Don't let their points fool you. 
They're 42 and 40 if you take away the loser point. They're not good. Their penalty kill is disastrous. They don't have a lot of center depth. They've got two defensemen that are worth anything, and the Penguins pooped all over them last night. Oh, yeah, and the goaltending? Yikes. The Penguins are far superior to the Flyers. If this goes five games, maybe now I'll be surprised that the Penguins lose one. Although I do expect a close one tomorrow night. Brian Rust scored the first goal of the game for the Penguins off a rush by Chris Letang and a shot by Chris Letang, a bad rebound by Elliott. Brian Rust just finds ways to score in the playoffs. I don't know how he does it, but he does it, and he's done it now for three straight seasons. I don't think it's an anomaly. Haglin scored a goal. Hornquist shot the puck. He redirected it in. Couturier with the awful turnover. It seems like Haglin's got an extra speed in the playoffs. It's like the beginning portion of the season, he's skating in quicksand. Then it's like he's skating on ice. And now it's like he's skating on ice with a rocket shooting out of his ass. Couturier's their best defensive, offensive player. And they made him look silly. Speaking of silly, Malkin around Voracek, Giroux, and then Gostaspare before burying one behind Brian Elliott. That was hot. All I could do was giggle. I giggled. I peed a little bit. When he walked around those three. What the hell was Voracek doing? I know he was trying to get off the ice. I know he just took an extended power play shift. But you got to at least get a body on Malkin. Giroux, drop the damn baton and whack Malkin's hands. Take a penalty there. He was going to do something special. We all knew it the second he got the puck. And Gostaspare, he's their second best defenseman. Yikes. How about Connor Sherry to Derek Broussard to Jake Gensel on the power play? Jake Gensel had a pedestrian regular season, but that got my nipples hard. Those three, Broussard doing what he does, racking up a playoff point. Jake Gensel doing what he does, scoring a goal in the playoffs. And Connor Sherry doing something he usually doesn't do, which is not fall down when he passes the puck. And then came the captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Sidney Crosby put the Flyers away with the Natty Hattie, backs one out of midair, and that was started all by Jake Gensel winning a foot race around Andrew McDonald, who, my God, might as well have had Ronald McDonald out there. That's a stand joke. Then Crosby picked up the garbage in front, and then Crosby had a sick AF deflection. Wasn't the whole thing coming in, Giroux's line has to play Crosby's line even? Advantage Penguins there. Whoopsie-daisy, Flyers. Crosby's line went off. Off! Brian Rust is one of the faster skaters in the National Hockey League. He's always a guy who's had a positive Corsi percentage. And it just seems like in the playoffs, he's the first guy in the puck all the damn time. I know that we've talked on this show about moving Russ down to the fourth line to create four scoring lines, but yeah, I'm going to go with Crosby and Rust and Gensel and just keep it that way for a little while. Yo, Crowley, you still worry about Matt Murray? He had 907 save percentage in a regular season, you know. I do know, and I was not worried. I realize it's one game, but I was right about a lot of shiz. Matt Murray was 4-3-1. 
after he came back from his concussion with an 8.98 save percentage. That's bad. He stopped 24 24 shots against the Flyers. He's now recorded a shutout in each of the last three playoff games he's played. The guy's built for this. Now, the Penguins did a great job of limiting high-quality scoring chances. Mike Sullivan says it's as good a defensive game as they've played. And you got to be kicking yourself if you're that Lawton guy who missed an opportunity to score on the side of the net, and then Matt Murray was quick to recover and made the save after that initial whiff. Murray did also stop a breakaway. He was very good against the Flyers' power play, although he didn't have to stop a shot. No shots on the Flyers' power play. None. Four power plays, no shots. Spoiler alert, not how you're going to beat the Penguins. Wasn't that what we talked about as well coming into the series? Flyers are going to have to do some stuff on special teams. Well, they gave up a power play goal, and they did not score one because they didn't get a shot on the net. Rob Rossi came on the show the last couple of weeks, said things like this, I'm not sure how you can count out Murray given the way he's played this year. It was easy for me. I've seen him be better. That was my Rossi, by the way. I know how much a clean slate can help, and I expected his teammates to be better in front of him. I believe in context. Murray was 22-3 and with a 9.28 save percentage in the playoffs coming into the game. He won the Cup twice as a rookie. He gets taken for granted by Penguins fans. He had never played in the playoffs, and he wound up having a 9.24 save percentage his first year. The guy's special. He's got flaws, sure. But he's got pedigree, he's got size, he's largely positionally sound. But more than that, because a lot of guys got that, he's got a great mindset. He was ready for the regular season to be over, to get past it, and because he was excited for the playoffs. He wanted to prove all his doubters wrong. He'll let in a bad goal or two at some point. Every goalie does. But is there anyone else in the Eastern Conference that you would want to have in your corner right now than that guy? And you might say, Crowley, you're overreacting based on one performance. I'm not, though. I've seen how good he's been the last two postseasons, and now game one of this postseason. FYI, Hackstall doing the wrong thing if he's going to go with Brian Elliott now in game number two. He should not be the goalie for Philadelphia. He was shaky from the start. He's coming back from a core muscle injury that kept him out for two months. He then played two games before the playoffs and was terrible in one of them. The guy should not be the number one goalie right now. And certainly not after that performance. Five goals on 16 shots? Woof. Now, not all of that was his fault. The Flyers turned the puck over a lot. Their defense core is not good. It's a bad coaching decision to hang out a goaltender out to dry who's working his way back the way that Elliott has. Drew had a similar surgery this offseason, and he said before the series that he doesn't know how Elliott's doing it. Maybe he shouldn't be. I know the Penguins scored a couple of goals on Mrazek in the third period, both by Sidney Crosby, but he did look far more calm in the cage. Elliott looked shaky from the start. I probably would have pulled him when the Penguins got up 3-0. Obviously, he didn't have it. Mrazek would have to be my guy moving forward, and he should be the goaltender that Dave Hackstall goes with. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Gets a little warmer outside. And the Penguins put up seven goals in the playoffs. Do I think they're winning the cup based on one game? No. Would I be surprised now? No. Sidney Crosby said this was just one game. 
The Flyers, to a man, said this is just one game. The Penguins' mindset is that this was just one game. I get what they're saying. They're factually accurate. This is one of four that the Penguins need to win to advance rounds. But this was more than just a game. This was the Penguins proving to the doubters they can flip that switch, yo. And they did. And what I like most, I think, about that performance is that the Penguins, after the game, said it was just a game. But it wasn't. Move on to the next one. Do it again. And really, I don't know if I have a doubt that they will. Is it going to be closer? Sure. Philadelphia can't play that poorly again, can they? Penguins can't play that well again, can they? Hey, maybe it won't be close. You see Claude Giroux's stat line? No goals. No assists. He was a minus four. Ian Cole will be starting the playoffs tonight for the Columbus Blue Jackets against the Washington Capitals. He doesn't have a block yet in the playoffs. Chad Ruedel's got six. The Penguins blocked 24. Chad Ruedel played a hell of a game yesterday. Penguins defense corps played a hell of a game yesterday. The forwards helped out a bunch in game one. That is a defensively sound team when they put their mind to it. Now, it's not always going to go that way. The Flyers didn't capitalize on some chances that they did have, but the Penguins play that way. That's structurally sound. Block that many shots. Get in that many lanes. Get stick on puck. Be first to the puck. As much as they were in this game, they're going to be a tough out. Coming up next, going to hear from Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. He's our X's and O's guy. He'll tell us what the Flyers need to do to adjust. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. It's a Crowley show. Andrew tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Murray made a statement last night. He did, but I told you it was going to happen, Andrew. I had faith in that dude. By the way, that station across the street's carrying the pirate game right now. They are contractually obligated to do that, but you don't give a rip. Pens in the playoffs. Going for a three-peat, baby. Keep it locked here. Talking puck all day long. Our buddy Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joins us now on the Crowley Show. Jesse, how are you? Doing well, Adam. Chili goal last night, eh? Chili goal and uh, touchdown all in game one. Yeah, not a bad way to get things started. Certainly not. And I think my favorite thing about the Penguins, those last two postseasons, is that after these blowout-type games... They don't let off the gas at all. They're going to evaluate their play as if the Flyers are going to adjust, and I think we're going to see the Penguins play a good game tomorrow, too. Yeah, and well, if you listen, if you listen to these two coaches, Adam, uh, one of them, the one that lost 7 nothing, said he's not changing a thing, uh, which is, you know, an interesting strategy. Uh, and Mike <laughs> Sullivan started today off uh, with a video session where he pointed out all the things the Penguins didn't do well enough last night. So if you wanted uh, to, to really get a good taste of the dichotomy that exists between these two teams right now, uh, you've got uh, one coach coming off a 7 nothing loss saying he's going to keep everything the way it was, and the other coach uh, uh, who was the 
uh, came out on the good side of that seven nothing victory. Uh, t- basically, sat his team down this morning and uh, pointed out everything that they did wrong. And uh, you know, that's generally, I think, why the Penguins are in the position that they are. Uh, you know, seven nothing's not good enough. Ten nothing's not good enough. There's always there's always something that, that, that could be improved. And I think that uh, overall, too, I, you know, not to make him sound out, you know, like he's a bully and he's in there, you know, beating everybody up a la John Tortorella. I think it's constructive stuff. Uh, and I think that, the, the, you know, for example, the Penguins' top power play last night probably left a little bit to be desired. I think that they got into a couple instances of turnover trouble in the neutral zone. Um, that, that's nitpicking from our perspective. Uh, but for Mike Sullivan, refining those things uh, is what he needs to do uh, in order to get this team over the hump and, and to a third straight championship. Well, let's start with some of the things the Penguins need to improve upon because that might be fun given the way that last night's game went. Uh, the Broussard line, uh, none of those guys registered a point save for the power play. Uh, they were all uh, even on the game, and the Penguins did score seven goals. So what would you think about that line and their ability to create things? I thought it was okay. I, I know that Broussard's primary assist came on the power play, um, but it, it looks like, based on what we saw last night, that Dave Hacksaw is going to be happy to, to put Valtteri Sopula out against Eric Broussard. That's a win for the Penguins. Uh, so they may not have gotten on the score sheet last night, but I think if that trio of Sherry, Broussard, and, and Kessel continues to get ice time against that Valtteri Sopula line, they're going to give, they're going to find the back of the net sooner or later. Uh, and at the end of the day, Adam, Valtteri Sopula, the reason I say that, is it, this year alone has just been one of the worst defensive centers in the National Hockey League. Uh, and, and Hackstall has tried him uh, against every single trio of Penguin forwards uh, that he could and has taken a loss on it every time. So no matter, I think no matter what he's done throughout the course of the regular season uh, into last night's game, he's not found a spot where, where Sopila could be successful. Uh, if, that's, if this is what he's landed on, uh, in terms of matchups with Sopula and, uh, and Broussard going head-to-head, I don't think that's going to work out for him in the long run. Well, now if I'm the Flyers, I'm worried about every matchup that I thought was right. going to work because uh, the Giroux line got eaten alive. He was a minus four. They're going to keep doing the same thing. Do you think that the Crosby, Gensel, and Rust line is going to have any trouble then this series? So here's where it really gets interesting, Adam, because if you go back and you look at the regular season series, you can watch this chess match between Mike Sullivan and Dave Hackstall takes place. Um, and it wasn't much of a chess match. Dave Hackstall was, was playing chess. Mike Sullivan wasn't. Uh, Hackstall basically came out at the beginning of the year and said, I've got my solution to Sidney Crosby. It's Andrew McDonald. That worked out about as well as I think anybody would have expected it to, except for Dave Hackstall. Uh, and then last night was when we really, for the first time, saw Hackstall put all of his chips into Povarov and Gostas Bear as the primary point uh, of defense against Sidney Crosby. And that worked out even worse than the McDonald pairing did. And not only that, Adam, the de facto sort of fallout damage from that was that Radko Gudis and, and, and Brandon Manning went against Evgeny Malkin, and that was just as bad. So to your point, I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, other than reshuffling the lines, which it's a little late in the season for that, um, you know, you don't want to, and, and, and you can make the argument, given what we saw last night, that'd be the equivalent of, of rearranging the chairs on the, on the deck of the Titanic. So he's got a lot of things to figure out. And, and for right now, you got to think about this. The, the, the Flyers are in the playoffs because the Giroux line dragged them there. And, and in my opinion, if you're going to put that line head-to-head with Sidney Crosby, the best you can hope for is a wash. And Philadelphia cannot win this series if the Giroux line is a wash. 
Jesse Marshall of The Athletic joining us here on The Crowley Show. Brian Rust, man, is such a good player. He's such a good player. I don't even know if I have a question there. It's just that he, he drives possession anytime he's on the ice. Doesn't matter really what line he's on, who he's playing with. He's such a good defensive player. Uh, he's always looking like he's shot out of a cannon. I had been on team, put him on the fourth line to spread the wealth. I'm now on team. I don't care where he plays. I just want to see him play a bunch. Well, he came back from injury earlier this year. They put him on the fourth line to get his feet wet, and that was probably the best Penguins fourth line had looked all season up to last night. Uh, they've put him with they've put him with Evgeny Malkin and had success there. Uh, he can play, to your point, with just about everyone. And I, I think that when you look at his motor and you look at his foot speed, uh, he's not technically gifted in, in amazing ways. Uh, he gets shots off, they go on net, and he's fast. Uh, and in this system, that's really all you need, is if you could get to where the play is going to be right quick and in a hurry, uh, more often than not, you're going to find yourself in an advantageous situation with an opportunity to score goals. And uh, we saw him do just that in the first period last night. I usually like to rag on Philadelphia. In fact, we've done a good deal of that already in the first 27 minutes of the show. I feel bad doing it, though, about Brian Elliott. The guy's coming off of an injury that you wouldn't think he'd be able to recover from as quickly as they think he's recovered from it, and I don't know if he has recovered from it, and I think he's been put in a bad situation. He played two games prior to the playoffs. He was bad in one of them. He was okay in the other one where there weren't a lot of great chances by the Rangers thrown on goal. I don't think it's a good. it was a good strategy to play him as the number one goaltender, and I really don't think it's a good strategy to go back to him tomorrow night. It's not a well I would go back to, and I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that Peter Mirajic played well last night, uh, but he made some saves. He did, and, and probably stopped a little bit of the bleeding that prevented that game from being 9 nothing. Um, there was a reason, Adam, that the, the Penguins came out shooting the way they did last night. Uh, I, I think the Penguins in watching tape of Elliott's two performances coming back from injury identified rebound control as a problem. Uh, and when they started that game off last night, every puck they had an opportunity to throw at the net, went at the net, uh, and the next thing you know, one comes off of his blocker, it kicks right into the slot, and Brian Rust is there for the rebound. So I think they knew that going in. I think that was something the Penguins were looking for. because They found it in spades. And I, I can't in good conscience point to Brian Elliott uh, for the fault of all those goals. Uh, but that first one and that bad rebound into the slot, uh, make no mistake about it, is what started that avalanche. Uh, and if he can't lock that down, uh, the Penguins are just going to keep on coming. Uh, they're going to keep coming, they're going to keep shooting from every angle, and they're going to continue to force him uh, into situations where he's handcuffed and he's taking those pucks back out into the slot. So... It's another one of those situations for Philly, Adam, where maybe there's not a right, a right answer to the situation. Uh, but I thought that, A, he was yanked too late, uh, and, B, given too much of a vote of confidence after the game was over. I think that both of those, and uh, in retrospect, will be mistakes by the Flyers coaching staff. Top seven here at Wrigley Field today. An absolutely gorgeous day for day baseball. Pirates beating up on our Cubbies six to one right now. Couple fans beneath me eating some nachos. Hey, I'm jealous of those two. I love me a good ballpark nacho, but I'm not a big fan of the tortilla chips. I like to just use my fingers and scoop out the cheese and and suck it dry right off of my hand. I I don't know about you, but I can't get enough of that nacho cheese, Adam. Back to you. 
I think the Penguins played their best defensive game in a very long time. Mike Sullivan said so much after the game. Jesse, do you agree? Uh, I do. And, you know, and it's kind of tough to gauge it because Philadelphia made so many mistakes that, it's, you know, you have a hard time separating what was good defense away from what was just poor play by Philadelphia. But uh, I thought their man marking was great. I think you'd be hard-pressed to look back and, and find a situation where they left someone open uh, in the slaughter in a situation where, uh, you know, it created a, a high-quality scoring chance. I mean, obviously, you know, Matt Murray had to be called on several times. But uh, overall, not a lot to complain about. And, and some, of the, some of the advanced metrics from last night's game are a little bit misleading because there was 5 nothing before the halfway point of the game. Uh, and the Penguins did kind of hang back a little bit at times and, and absorb some shots, which kind of made some of the database results wonky. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that we've seen them flip the switch now, and I think we we should probably never doubt whether or not they can ever do that again. Because I think last night was a, about as a, a vulgar of a, a switch flipping as I've ever seen in my life. So uh, I think that if that's any indication of where they're headed, I, I, I think that they're in a good, they're in good shape defensively speaking. That is a tremendous phrase. It is as vulgar a switch flipping as I've ever seen in my life. How about that for Matt Murray? Uh, the guy did not have a great regular season. A lot of reasons, I think, for that, including the Penguins not playing all that great in front of him at times. Should we be surprised at all that he's now recorded his third playoff shutout in a row? Uh, Josh Yoey from the Athletic colleague there asked, uh, talked to Matt Murray about that yesterday. And Matt Murray's response is basically, I don't care about the regular season. Uh, <laughs> he basically just came right out and said it. He goes, you can keep your individual award. I don't care about that. Uh, I don't care about what my results look like at the end of the year. My primary focus is on winning championships and certainly looked the part last night. I think every single player today that talked to the media, Adam, referenced his save in the first period. Um, and, and then Mike Sullivan uh, this morning said that you could hear the chatter on the bench when that happened. And the guys perked up. Uh, and not that the Penguins are getting shelled at that point. Uh, he saves. And that's a game that, that could have changed direction a little bit, um, you know, had that save not gotten made. And, and for evidence of that, Adam, think back to 2012. Uh, game one, uh, you know, the Penguins go up 3 nothing. Uh, they're absolutely dominating the game. Daniel Briere scores a goal from an offside position. That took the wind right out of uh, right out of the stadium or right out of the arena, uh, and the Flyers came back and won that game. So if Matt Murray doesn't make that save, you and I might be having a much different conversation today. Evgeny Malkin is unbelievable. I think it should be the Evgeny Malkin hat trick when he scores a beautiful goal and takes a penalty in the offensive zone. I guess we shouldn't be surprised by him either. And the Penguins turned the quarter this year when he started playing like the superstar that we all know him to be, and. I don't necessarily think you can doubt whether he's going to be that guy in the playoffs. He might not be that guy every single night, but, man, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about the Penguins losing a playoff series. I just am with Crosby and Malkin playing that way. Adam, I don't know what to say about that goal he scored last night. I, I was so blown away watching it happen. Uh, and when he got by Jake Voracek in the, in, by the benches there and then cut towards the middle uh, and started to drive everybody wide, uh, it was one of those, you know, get on the edge of your seat moments. Um, he's the most gracefully violent player in the National Hockey League when he's going like that. Uh, and his legs start turning, and he has that wide base. You're not knocking him off the puck. Forget about it. Uh, it's not going to be possible. And, and he was in that mode last night. Every time he went on the ice, uh, and it helped for him to be flanked by 
two uh, Swedish best friends that looked more like the Hansen brothers last night than they did, uh, uh, you know, finesse wingers that can play tough and score goals. Uh, there's a ton of space for him out there because of those two. And that line right now is as big of a problem uh, for the rest of the league as any, as any other line that the Penguins have. Uh, and, and, when, I mean, and that's not, we haven't even gotten to Sidney Crosby yet. I mean, that's, that's, that's how crazy this is. So, it, it is. Uh, and that if, was a demoralizing goal last night, Adam. Demoralizing for the Flyers. Without a doubt. And Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek, they spent a lot of time on the power play there. Probably should have gotten off the ice a little bit earlier. Can't believe they didn't register a shot on the power play all night long. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to stick with your point about Haglin and Hornquist. Is there a line in the National Hockey League that if you are a defenseman going back for a puck that you're more afraid of than those guys? Because Haglin's going to get on you so damn quick. And Hornquist, I mean, he just he just doesn't care about himself. He's going to kill you. Uh, I can't think of one. I, I, that, to watch the two of them just tandem forecheck last night uh, was just downright terrifying. And I, I think that... Don't discount how important something like that is. I mean, to be able to have guys that have gone through two long and grueling playoff runs and by their own admission have been saving it for this moment just a little bit is downright terrifying. Uh, and when they were getting in on the forecheck last night, um, throw structure out the window, Adam. Throw structure to the wind. Uh, they don't care. Uh, they're going to forecheck you into oblivion. Uh, they're going to go to the front of the net and they're going to score goals there, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, and I think that that line has the potential, Adam, to be that HBK type of an unstoppable line for the Penguins. Um, it's a matchup nightmare. What do you do if you're an opposing coach? Who are you going to load up on? Uh, I'll say this much. If, if you are game planning on how you're going to stop uh, that trio of, of Hagelin, Hornquist, and Malkin, step one better be to play in the offensive zone 90% of the time. Uh, and step two better be get your most mobile defenseman that you have back there because uh, they are going to need to have their head on a swivel. And and I think what's interesting about watching game two, Adam, is when you get beat down like that, shift after shift after shift, you start to feel that pressure even if it's not there. And I think you saw that last night. I think you saw it from, from Andrew McDonald late in the game when he fumbled a puck uh, that Jake Densel uh, chased down before Crosby's uh, tip goal. I think you saw it last night from Radko Gudis virtually every time he went back to retrieve a puck. Uh, when they get on you like that, you get that in the back of your mind, and now every time you go back for a puck retrieval as a defenseman, you're just waiting to get hit. Uh, and then you start in plays with the puck uh, that are indicative of, of, of situations where you don't have time and space, even if you have time and space. So people have said, well, this isn't going to carry over to game two. It's just one game. I disagree with that. I think the kind of punishment that you get out of that duo uh, 100% carries over game to game. I think you can definitely feel it when you're on the ice. Jesse, love the stuff, man. Appreciate you taking the time, and go grab some nachos. Um, I will. I will let you know, though, that uh, the idea of anyone at that station sucking cheese off their fingers has completely disgusted me, and I may never eat nachos again, so thank you. No problem, buddy. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. He knows his stuff. We have the best hockey guests in town. We also have the best hockey talk in town. And across the street, they are stuck with Pirates baseball. Coming up next, it's the 15-minute major. What happened? It's Crowley Show.
Hi, Tom Baudet with a word on fusion cuisine, where you mix one country's food with another one. I always call that stew, but whatever gets you to dessert. But whether you like a French vigisoise with Thai chili oil, or you're more into the fusion of American burger and French fry, you'll save more for that meal at Motel 6. It's an intriguing mix of clean, comfortable, and low prices, or as we fusionistas call it, Clicolo. I'm Tom Baudet from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Bout of seven here at Wrigley. Cubs tried to mount an epic comeback. Fleas on the mound. The 0-1. Just a bit inside. Hayward takes for ball. I don't really know what the next word out of my mouth. Hey, you guys. Wasn't aware that the U.S. Open started last night. Claude Drew's four under par. (laughs) 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 Oh, the baton. Oh, that baton. No, not in the playoffs. It's time to get fucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the five-minute major with Adam Crowley. Only two flyers didn't take a minus last night. And it was the two rooks. It was Lindblom and the other rookie, whose name escaped me at the only time I was going to use it today on the show. Maybe it's in my notes here. The Flyers aren't a good team. I've been saying it for a long while now. They're good at one thing, however. They can score goals. They can create chances. They can score off the rush. The last time these teams played, the Penguins gave up 42 shots. That's a lot, guys. That's not good. This time around, Penguins played largely a disciplined game. There weren't many odd man breaks. The pinches were good. The forwards helped out on the back check. It's almost like I've been right all along with this team. It's early. They got 15 more wins to go if they want to make history. But I said that the Penguins have struggled defensively because of their effort. And the effort's there in the playoffs. Maybe they were out of gas at the end of the season because they didn't feel like they needed to put their foot on the gas in games that they felt did not matter. Foot now on gas because these games do matter. Kessel and Malkin were back-checking forces at times this year. Kessel came out of the offseason playing as good a defensive hockey as we've ever seen him play. Malkin, when he was hot, was doing a great job helping out 200 feet away. We didn't see that at the end of the season. We still saw Kessel with a couple of flybys last night. That's still going to be part of his game. He is an offensively oriented player. Duh. But they gave a rip. And when they do, hmm, the attention to detail was lacking for this team. Not so much in the playoffs, huh? The Penguins allowed only 24 shots in last night's game. And the only chance that I thought was going to go in was the Lawton chance. That was really high quality, but he flubbed it. And then Matt Murray made a great save after the initial flub. The defensive problems that the Penguins experienced this year weren't about talent. I like the Penguins' defense core. I like their six guys that they're going to roll out there every single night. I think it was effort. I think it was fatigue. I think it was lack of attention to detail. 
Amazing, though, how they figure these things out when the playoffs roll around. I'm totally shocked. Wasn't saying that they'd figure it out at all. They're still probably not a great defensive team. But if they play structurally sound, they'll be tough to beat. The defense blocked 17 shots last night. The team blocked 24 overall. Ian Cole was tremendous at it the last couple of seasons. So was Nick Benino. Cole's replacement, Chad Ruedel, he blocked six on his own. Guess who led the team? Tom. Any guesses? Who led the team in blocks? Anybody? Uh, Anybody? Chad Ruedel. He did with six. Six blocks for that guy. I thought only Ian Cole could block shots. Although, if Cole did block a shot last night, he probably would have blocked it all the way down the ice and passed Brian Elliott because that's how good he is. How about Chad Ruedel, though? I thought Chris Letang played within himself. Brian Rust scored on a rebound from his shot, and Letang had five shot attempts and was credited for only one giveaway. He only had to play 21 minutes because of the lopsided score. That's badass. Sidney Crosby only played 16 minutes, and he still had the natty hattie. I think it's imperative to play at least one short series in the playoffs. If you're going to win the cup, it helps to not be totally drained at the end. It helps to have a few laughers, too, where you can roll four lines and manage the minutes. How about Haglin? Didn't get to talk to Jesse Marshall about him. We'll talk to Josh Getzoff about him a little bit coming up at 5.20. That guy's just got a different gear. I hadn't seen him skate like he did in Game 1 since Game 6 of the Cup Final. It's a joy to watch. He's one of my favorite players to watch because when I played at the low, 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 low level I played at, that's the kind of guy I was. I wasn't obviously that fast, and really I wasn't all that fast at all, but... I was not stopping. I was going 100 miles an hour, at least in my mind. And I was trying to be a pain in the ass on the forecheck. That's what he does. And as Jesse said in the last segment, you've got him coming down one wing. He's going to be first on the puck. And then you've got the damn heat-seeking missile, Patrick Hornquist, coming on the other wing. That line is a bitch. And that line will grind you down as the playoffs move along. I think Carl Hagelin might be the most terrifying forechecker in the NHL because when you turn your back as a defenseman, he's on you like white on rice. And he was in this one. How about Crosby, Gensel, and Brian Rust having their way with Claude Giroux's line? The Couturier line. Giroux was, I don't know if you've heard, a minus four. (laughs) (laughs) What is this, Gull? I know, right? This guy. uh, Is he playing Oakmont? And Crosby and Russ were each plus five players. The Flyers have no chance if that continues. The narrative coming in was the Flyers need to be good on special teams, and they need to at least play even, if not win the matchup with Sidney Crosby. Didn't happen. Gensel had a goal and three apples. Tim Benz wrote a column for the Trib saying that they need this guy to be great like he was last year in order to win it again. One game down, he was fabulous. Again, Malkin was largely sublime. He took two penalties. One for sure was in the offensive zone. Don't remember when the other one was, but that's typical. Al live with it when he plays the way that he did overall. Malkin had, I think, the two best individual efforts of the night. Claude Giroux had his controller shutoff moment on Gino's coast-to-coast goal. Gostas Bear also got blown by. His mom and pops are in town, so you know he got a big bowl of borscht prior to the game. Penn's PK. Held the Flyers to 0 for 4 on the power play. Philly scored, just as a reminder, 12 times on the man advantage back in 2012. Eh, it's, it's a much better start than that one. 
Oh, yeah. They didn't have a shot. It's like a Mormon out at the bar. Here are some things they need to improve upon. The Sherry kessel Brassard line got outchanced, according to my numbers. They weren't awful. They wound up totaling two points on the night, but the line only combined for one shot on goal. It's the first time they've been together for a while. I'm nitpicking here. I imagine they'll be okay. The Flyers, they won 52% of the face-offs, and I thought that they created some of their chances early in the second period, mainly because they were winning the face-offs in the Penn's end. I thought that the discrepancy was bigger than 4%, so perhaps it wasn't a problem all game long, but it was early in that second period. They'll need to pick it up just a little bit. And the Penguins' power play was just okay. They scored a goal, but it was the second unit, the number one unit, not going to be happy with what they put out there yesterday. 25%, though, one for four, just below the season average. They can generate more there, though. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker, breaker, one nine. Shake them bushes, because we got a baby bear with the snapper pointing eastbound on the granny side of the big slab, heading into the fallopian tube. Back it up and keep them flaps down, else you'll be trading beaver bait for blue slips. It's the Smoker Report. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, bear in the bushes or a bear in the air, you give us a holler and we'll get you home without that extra freight. 412-922-2874. Keep your shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. After the Penguins game last night, I watched the end of the Winnipeg-Minnesota game, and those are two great fan bases, Minnesota and Winnipeg. I feel so happy for Winnipeg. They got their first win in the Atlanta Winnipeg days of their franchise. That place was bonkers. They did the whiteout, but every single person in that crowd, every single fan had a jersey on, and it looked awesome, and it was rocking. The only thing I had a problem with was that when the puck was in the right-hand corner, you couldn't see anything because all the damn fans were standing up. But after I watched the end of that one, I watched the beginning of the Vegas Golden Knights-Kings game. And Marc-Andre Fleury was fabulous again. He's been great all season long. Boy, shouldn't have got rid of that guy. But I don't want to talk about the game. Did you see what the hell they did prior to the game? It was Disney on ice. It was like Game of Thrones on ice. They had someone skate out with a king's flag, and then they had the Golden Knight mascot slide out, and he pulled a sword on the ice. He started going back and forth with the knight. It was so cool and also super lame all at the same time. It was like, kind of like Game of Thrones. Except the knight did not slay the king and then take her top off. Coming up next. Man, I told you so about these penguins. Well, clearly it's only one game. I told you they could flip the switch. They proved that. So much for fatigue, right? So much for y'all being right. Because I'm right. I'll explain in great detail. Next, the Crowley Show.